Bibles tonight, turn to the uh, Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23. And I'm going to preach on a subject tonight just when I need Him the most. Isn't that the way the Lord comes? Just when you need Him the most? Yes, sir. Sometimes we think, Lord, where are you? Lord, uh, did you leave me all alone? Where are you at? Yes. But He always shows up when I need Him the most. Right. I could keep you entertained. I'm not going to entertain you tonight, but I could keep you tonight time after time after time where God showed up on the scene when I needed Him the most. Read Acts chapter 23 with me in verse number 10. The Bible says, And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. Verse number 11, we see the plot to kill Paul. And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. Let's stand tonight as we go to God in a word of prayer. You pray for me as I try to bring this message tonight. I've never preached when I thought I had the ability to do it. And if the Lord doesn't come, there won't be much given to you tonight. So uh, just pray for me, if you will. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful this evening, God, that we can call you our Lord and Savior. We're thankful for the day you reached down, you touched my heart, convicted me of sin. We're thankful for that day, God, that you came into my heart to stay and to live down within me in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, now for the power of God, for the not just the presence, but the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost of God tonight that you'll come and anoint me from on high. I just pray, Heavenly Father, for these folks that are here and those that are listening online. We pray, God, that you deal with their hearts. I don't know the situations that they're in, but God, I know one thing. You're the great God that we serve, not anything that you can't do. I just want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and privilege tonight to be here at Liberty Faith Church and to preach the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, can you imagine being jailed for the cause of Christ? If you were jailed for the cause of Christ tonight, what would you be thinking about as you sat there in the jail? What would your attitude be? I've often thought of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and, and loved the Lord very much, and uh, no doubt he sat there and wondered, Lord, where are you? Just been trying to serve you day after day, and week after week, and, and month after month, and here I am in prison by Herod's hand. And maybe even thought, Lord, I thought you were stronger than Herod was. You could, you could free me if you just would. But we know that that didn't happen to John the Baptist. We know that it happened for Paul and Silas, but not for John the Baptist. Now, how about Joseph? Joseph refused the advances of the king's wife, and yet he found himself looking through the bars. And when, when, God, when Joseph needed God the most, it seemed like that's when God showed up to Joseph. We don't have to wonder how it was for Paul. For the majority of the rest of the book of Acts, he was a prisoner. And during that time, he wrote several books of the Bible by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. We call those books the prison epistles. I want to show you tonight some of the statements that he made from the jail. Ephesians 4, verse number 1. He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. Now notice he didn't say he was a prisoner of the king or he was a prisoner of the state. He said, notice I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Paul considered himself a prisoner for the cause of Christ and he counted it a privilege to be called that. Notice in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 20. He said, for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. 
So there in Ephesians 6 and verse 20, he talked about being an ambassador. Ambassador is a representative from a foreign land. And Paul considered himself a missionary to the other prisoner during this time, but also he could write letters. I'm sure he probably wrote letters that he didn't realize to be read by people like you and I tonight as we open the Word of God. Much of the Bible, over half the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul for the inspiration of the Holy Ghost of God. And he had a, quite a jail ministry. And we think of a jail ministry as somebody going into the jail and preaching and praying and teaching the Word of God, uh, praying with the prisoner, trying to lead them to the Lord, and then walking back out. I know one time I, uh, me and some men from Brushenob Church, went one weekend to a prison ministry. And I never will forget, Brother Reg, uh, those doors closing behind me. And I thought, I hope I, I mean, I hope I can get out of here, you know. <laughs> never been in jail before, never been in prison before, but boy, when those doors clank shut, I tell you, got my attention. But we had a good time. We ministered to the men there and uh, able to uh, lead a few to the Lord, or supposedly, I, you know, God knows whether it was true or not. But, and then I was really thrilled well, I went back out and heard the doors close behind me, and I was on the outside of those doors. Now, that's what was thrilling to me. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12 and verse 13, uh, Paul said, But I would you understand, brethren, that these things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Paul was guarded by an infamous Praetorian guard. There were special forces that guarded Caesar himself, and Caesar wanted Paul to have that same guard. The average Christian could never have gotten close enough to witness to these men, so God did what he had to do in order to his voice be heard there. God gives each of us inroads to share the gospel if we'll recognize those inroads. Maybe while you're sitting at the doctor's office, an hour waiting there, and wonder where's the doctor at? Is he out on the golf course? Is he, is he back in the examination room? Where is he and what's he doing? And we begin to think about those things. But it could be that uh, God put you there for a reason. I remember when Myra was still alive, I was all the time taking her to the doctor. And one time in the doctor's office, this woman come out from back of the doctor's office and she was just bawling and, and uh, I went up over to her. You know, I didn't know hardly what to do, but you know, I'm just like everybody else scared to death to do anything or say anything. But I went over to her and come find out she'd just been told that her husband had cancer. And uh, I thought, well, I don't know what to do, ma'am, but I could pray with you. I could pray with you and for him. And she said, that would just be great. So we prayed together. And a lot of times folks were afraid to do things like that. I know we had a postmaster one time that was having brain surgery. And she had a brain tumor. And, uh, you know, uh, they don't want you doing anything uh, for the Lord there at the post office. I mean, you know, you can get fired quick. But I remember that, that morning... Uh, I went, I, I just said, I just stopped everybody from working like I was a boss, you know. <laughs> but I said, folks, our postmaster is going to have serious surgery tomorrow. And I said, I want to pray with her and for her as before she goes to that surgery. And I didn't know what the outcome would be. But I put my hand on, in her hand and we prayed. And some other folks there prayed. They were Christians. They weren't all heathen that were there in that post office. Amen. And we prayed and she come through the surgery in good shape. And she told me later, she said, I, I so much appreciate the fact that you stood out and you stood up. You were willing to pray and you didn't know what the consequences would be. And that's what we need to not worry about the consequences. 
John the Baptist paid the consequences with his life. Paul and Silas found themselves in jail, and yet they paid the consequences, but God helped them to get released. How did it work for Paul? Philippians 4.22 says, All the saints salute you, chiefly, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The next time you're in circumstances that were not your first choice, look for a door of opportunity to be opened by God. He has a reason for everything. He has a reason for your doctor's appointment. He has a reason for your plane being delayed. He has a reason that your septic tank needs to be pumped. And so whatever the reason is, look at that as an opportunity to do something for the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.9, Paul said, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Paul knew they could bind the man, they could bind him, they could throw him in prison, but he knew that the word of God, the message of God could not be bound. In our text, it's his first night in jail. This is before he wrote all those verses I've already shared with you. What's he thinking? How did he get the good perspective early on that he had? You say, well, he was a great man, and he was a great man, but he was still just a man. This great man had real feelings and needed God to be with him and to be real to him. He needed to know he wasn't all alone. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Lord, I don't, I don't want to be alone. I want you to be with me. Then God showed up in his cell just when he needed him the most. Three things I want to share with you tonight in that jail cell that happened that night. I'm going to take verse 11 and just dissect verse 11. The Bible says there in verse number 11, And the night falling, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. First of all, the Lord stood by Paul. What a beautiful phrase that is. We know that the Lord is standing by us, okay? No matter what the situation may be, no matter if it looks good or looks bad, we have a God that stands with us. I'm kind of big on commitment. I believe that when a man says, I do to his wife, I believe he ought to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. And he ought to love her and keep her until one of the two passes away. I believe that. I believe in commitment. My mom and dad were married 48 years when dad passed away. Myra and I were married 52 years when she passed away. And I'm going to be married to Ramona until she kills me. <laughs> I'm not afraid of her shooting a gun. She can throw a rock, let me tell you. There was a cat one time come around her place and bothering her, her cat, you know. And she picked up a rock. Now get this, all you ball players think you're good. She picked up a rock and hurled at that cat and killed it graveyard dead. As... Beware. <laughs> I'm, huh? Beware. Beware. So I have kind of picked up the rocks that's close to the house <laughs> and got rid of them, you know, moved them back a little bit. <laughs> I don't run like I used to. I'm not as fast as I used to be. You know. <laughs> but the Lord stood by Paul. Aren't you glad we have a Lord that stands by us? I mean, he's there with us. We, sometimes we think, well, Lord, where are you? He's there. He's there. I mean, he may not say, here I am, but he's there. In Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, he has said, I will never leave thee. Yep. nor forsake thee. Verse 6 says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen. A woman come to D.L. Moody one time, and she says, Brother Moody, I found a great verse in the, in the Bible that's a great promise that helps me when I'm afraid. 
And that verse was Psalm 56 and verse number 3 that says, What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. And Brother Moody said, I've got a promise better than that. He said, I've got a promise in Isaiah 12 and verse 2. Behold, my God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. So we have verses that tells us that he'll be with us if we're afraid and if we're not afraid. And both promises are true. Now, I want you to look at this scripture there in verse number 11. The first thing I see there is a sympathizing Christ. Just a few years, a few years earlier, Jesus was in the same city before the same council, being tried for the things which, which are no crime, but for doing good. So Jesus could say to Paul, Paul, I've been there and I've done that. Both were called blasphemers, both were called heretics, and both of them were called troublemakers. And we have a Savior tonight who knows and understands what we're going through because He's been there and He's right here with us today. Are you here tonight and you're lonely? I remember after my first wife passed away, I got so lonely. And it was wintertime. And one day, I have got a lot of chimes out on the front porch and and the wind was blowing and the chimes were making their noise and, and so forth. And I was so lonely. You know, I had a terrible, terrible headache. And my headaches are not as bad as they used to be. Praise the Lord for that. But I had a terrible, terrible headache. And I thought, you know, this is just terrible. You know, I was lonely. I was hurting. Maybe you're hurting tonight. Maybe you're feeling rejected. Jesus knew what it was to be rejected. His own people refused him and rejected him. Maybe you're grieving tonight. Maybe you're discouraged tonight. I want to say that we serve a Savior uh, that sympathizes with you because He's been there. And the Lord stood by Paul as a sympathizing Christ. Also, He was a sustaining Christ. Sometimes we need others to hold us up sometimes. I know at times I I would thank the church for praying for me and helping me uh, through a terrible, terrible time in my life. But I want to tell you something. If this church hadn't held me up the way they did, I don't know where I'd be today, Pastor. I really don't know where I'd be. People invited me to their home. People said they'd pray for me, and and they did pray for me. Sometimes the tragedies and trials are so great, we can't even attempt to make it on our own. But that's when God sends somebody, and they swoop in to help sustain us, or we go down. How wonderful that is that God can use people that are Christian people to know that we can't stand it. So Jesus stands by us, sometimes by sending somebody else to stand with us. Yes. 2 Corinthians twelve nine, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, Paul had a health situation. I don't know what it was. Some believe it was maybe poor eyesight because he did have some men write down some scripture for him. But no, it says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so the headache that I have, I have since June 2019, it's still there. Some days it's pretty bad. Some days I hardly have one at all. I rejoice on those days, let me tell you. Those days are special. Stephen Covey tells of the New York City subway train ride. A man got on with several rowdy children. As soon as he got on, he just sat there with his eyes closed and arms folded while the children just went absolutely nuts. And they were rambunctious, they were annoying, they were obnoxious and very loud. They were bothering everybody. He approached the man and said, Sir, could you do something with these rowdy children? And the man said, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't even notice. We just left the hospital where their mother died an hour ago. Think about that. Those children were dealing with that. The only way they knew to deal with that was to be rowdy, obnoxious, loud, and annoying. 
but they didn't know how to deal with it. The death of their mother. Right. You know, I know we got people in this church that, that have experienced the death of a wife and the death of, of a mother. And so compassion begins when we start to think and understand what others are going through. When Myra was in the hospital, I had a doctor had had a lot of compassion. As a matter of fact, most people are not able to even go to the hospital during that era. And he told me, he said, you've had COVID already. He said, I would suggest you get your family, bring them in, say your goodbyes, and then they need to go home. If you know of somebody that's had COVID, you can bring them in to stay with you. But he said, I would not suggest that you have a lot of people there. Now, that is very rare during that time. That was in December of 2020. And so I did just that. We called all the grandkids and so forth. Just got one daughter. And, and she was there when the call came from the doctor that Myra was not going to live. And uh, so we went and we met. And uh, I tell you, you tell something to tear your heart out. Just have your grandkids and great-grandkids tell their grandmother goodbye. Now, that don't get you, folks. There's something wrong with you. There's something bad, bad wrong. And so uh, they came and, and uh, said goodbye to her. One night, a couple of days before Myra passed away, there was a nurse, for some reason, she had it in for me from the very beginning. I mean, when she laid eyes on me, I was her number one enemy. And I don't know why. Maybe because the doctor was a little lenient with me. I don't know. That may have been it. But one night, I guess about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was holding Myra's hand, had my head laying down there on the bed. I, I just went to sleep. I was so exhausted. And she come in, and she grabbed me by the shoulders, and said, you get off that bed. Well, she didn't know she was talking to a man that had a half-crazy headache. I grabbed her, Pastor, and I started to the window. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to throw you out this window. <laughs> oh, she said, sir, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything. I said, don't you ever come in here and touch me again. I said, you're going to meet that cement down there because I ain't fooling with you. Amen. Out the door she went. She turned to the right. I went out the door and turned to the left, went down to the nurse's desk. I said, that nurse is not allowed in that room where my wife is again. I said, I do not want her in there. I said, do, do with her whatever you want. She's not going in that room. And I, as far as I know, she never went back in there. We have a Savior who doesn't just know what we're going through because he knows all. But because he's gone through it. But think about the sustaining grace that he gives us. You say, well, I don't see how you went through that. God sustained me by his grace. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't have God's grace. And then Paul wrote in Philippians 4, 19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, Ramona has a dental appointment Tuesday. <laughs> oh, I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> Suppose you go to the dentist and you got a tooth that's really decaying. What's he do? First he drills out that decay. <laughs> Don't you love that sound of that drill? Oh. Then he makes an inlay that fits perfectly in the contour of your teeth. And then he fills it. That inlay is perfectly designed for your cavity and nobody else's. Once you understand that. God understands your problems. They're unique and special and as painful as that tooth is. But thank God he has an endless supply to take and fill every need in the most perfect way possible. The Lord stood by Paul, 
He sympathized with him. He sustained him. And then verse 11, and he spoke to him. Notice there in verse number 11, and said, those two words, and said, I mean, he spoke to him. He spoke to the apostle Paul. What a blessing to have a God who speaks to us. You say, I never had God speak to me. Well, maybe you need to be in the Word a little more. That's how God speaks to us. Now, I know He spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. Understand all of that. And sometimes He can speak through the Holy Spirit in the heart. But He speaks mainly through His Word. He speaks, and He speaks often. Hebrews 1, and verse number 1 and 2. The Bible says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath, he, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. He gave him a message. First of all, a message of cheer. Notice what he said. He said, be of good cheer. Take courage. Jesus said that many times during His earthly ministry. He said that to the man that was sick of the palsy. He said, be of good cheer. The woman that had the blood, uh, blood issue, the blood disease, be of good cheer. The, the disciples during the storm, he said, be of good cheer. He does the same in our hearts, sometimes through the preaching or the, an encourager in the church. Sometimes in our private devotions, as we just uh, read, reading and the right message just leaps off the page. Sometimes we as preachers, and a pastor can verify this, we have to preach hard messages and we wonder how some of those things are going to be received or not received. Sometimes we need to be encouraged. I want to encourage you. If you're a pastor and he has many times had to preach something that was hard to preach, something that was not encouraging, maybe you need to encourage him. We all need encouragement. And so be sure that you encourage him and other preachers as well. So how many of you know someone right now that could use a a card or a, a, a good word? Take time to do it this week. People love encouraging, uplifting, positive people. Sometimes they dread seeing a negative person even enter the room. I learned a long time ago, uh, pastoring a church, you don't ask everybody how they're doing. Uh, There's some people you can ask that, okay? And they'll say, I'm doing fine, or I'm better than what I was, or whatever. Some of them, you get every ailment from 1942. And then one thing after another, after another, after another, and you say, you know, I've got to start church here before long. I can't, I can't visit with you all morning long. A boxing coach tried to believe in all of his students. He had one student, student that just could not box at all. Every time he'd get in the ring, he'd never get knocked out. One day he got in the ring, and boy, he just, I mean, that opponent just worked him over good and proper. And so uh, he went back out there, and, 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 and the coach told him, go back out there and finish the guy off. He said, you just about got him. And the, man, the boy looked at him and thought, man, what, what planet are you on? You know. But anyway, he went back out there and he fought him the best he could. And finally the bell rung and he come back and he's barely able to drag himself to the, his corner. And the coach gave him the same kind of encouragement. And the, the boxer said, coach, I'll go back out there. You need to keep an eye on somebody out there because somebody is beating the thunder out of me. <laughs> if it ain't the guy I'm boxing... Look and find out who it is. <laughs> Encouragement to make us do a lot more and keep on going. <laughs> then there's a message of cheer. Notice what he said. He said, be of good cheer. Well, nothing like that. Be of good cheer. And then a message of commendation. He congratulated Paul. Verse 11, as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem. Verse number 11. We don't know of anyone who got saved because of Paul's ministry this time in Jerusalem, he probably thought he failed. It looks like he failed. 
from a human perspective. And yet the Lord says, you did a good job, Paul. Two things about our witnessing. When we witness, God notices and He appreciates it. It's not that we may not lead anybody to Christ, but God appreciates us witnessing. And someday, standing before our Lord, when we give an account of that, He will personally thank us and reward us. And then, secondly, when we witness, God doesn't require us to be successful, only to be faithful. You know, if you're used to giving a track out at the restaurant, be faithful in that. If you're used to uh, talking to your neighbor about the Lord, be faithful in that. One plants, one waters, and I'm sure, uh, I sure don't want to burn the bridge, but set them up for the next witness that comes along. We have to leave the results in God's hands. He's the one who gives the increase. Sometimes we give an invitation, and we say, well, I didn't produce any fruit. God considers faithfulness as fruit and also promises that if I consistently give the message faithful, I will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing my sheaves with me. Amen. The Lord spoke to him a message of cheer, a message of uh, commendation, a message of confidence. Verse 11, the last two words, at Rome. That's what Paul wanted all along, yeah. was to go to Rome. Yeah. And here God says, the door is open for you, Paul. Right. Now we're going to see some people who try to shut that door. But actually, all doubts were, were erased because Paul, God had said it, and that settles the matter. Now, notice verse 12, 13, and 14. And when it was day, the certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would rather neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse, and we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. I bet they're getting hungry, don't you? I bet, I bet their stomachs are pretty empty by now. But these 40 men entered into a death pact together against Paul. God said, You're going to Rome, Paul. These 40 men said, No, you're not going anywhere. Who do you think won? Huh? Who do you think won? God won, didn't it? Isn't it amazing how God works? If you read this passage of Scripture, there's not one more passage or one more mention of God in this passage. And you can see His hand at work on Paul throughout all the rest of this chapter. And God worked in a, Paul, in a way that Paul never imagined. Did God smite them with leprosy or blindness? No. Did He swallow them up in a fiery hole in the earth? No, nothing that dramatic. In this case, God used a little boy. He used Paul's nephew. Notice there in verse number 16. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Drop down to verse 23 and 24. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen threescore and ten, and spearmen two hundred at the third hour of the night, and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on, and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. 470 member posse. <laughs> God rounded up, put together because of one little boy eavesdropping. Now you can say what you want to say, okay? But you may be going through a circumstance in which you don't see if God is anywhere around. Don't doubt for one second that He's not there. He's standing somewhere in the shadows. Somewhere He's there. He's very much aware of your situation. Just after World War II, American soldiers found a little cellar where Jews had hit out. Written on the wall, somebody on one wall, somebody had written, I believe in the sun, even when it doesn't shine. I believe in love, when it's not shown. I believe in God, even when I cannot see Him work. So God is present. And God is at work through all your circumstances. 
And just when you need him, he shows up on the scene. He didn't show up early. He doesn't show up late. He shows up right on time. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Praise the Lord that he's there when we need him. Let's stand tonight. I don't know. Maybe need to give an invitation. I'll give it, turn it back over to the pastor and get what he wants to do. I want to try to encourage you tonight. You know, sometimes we get kind of low and down and discouraged about things that we think are not going right. But I tell you, God knows all about it. And God will come on the scene when it's time. He'll come on the scene right on time. All right.